All right. What is up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of Lifting, Running, and Living with your favorite coaches, Kelly. Hello. Hey, and JK. I'm here. All right. So we are kicking <laughs> off episode number 17. And as always, we're going to start off with updates. So yep. Kelly, you want to let us know what's going on in your world? Yeah. So the people can't see, but I'm not at home right now. <laughs> so I am still stuck in San Diego. I was supposed to be home by now, but as I'm sure most of the U.S. knows, it's very cold and snowy in many places where it's cold and snows. So my, my flight got canceled yesterday. <laughs> And we're that is, recording. That is a weather report yes. for the ages right there. It's cold and snowy where it's cold and snow. <laughs> well, weather I mean, like, at 11. People here in SoCal, they might not know that it's cold and snowy in the rest of the states, you know? That's that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Because it's not cold All right, and so snowy soaking here. up a little bit more warmth. More sea level, more warmth. Yeah, so... I've been here since Friday. We're recording this on Tuesday, say the 16th. Um, yeah, I came out here for the 5K, which yeah, is, it went much better than expected. You already know, but we're going to tell the people anyway. <laughs> um, I was yeah, I, got, I mean, I got the inside track, but yeah, you you got to share with the people. I know. Well, if you listen to MFA, this is going to be some repeats, but yeah, I ran. Nine seconds slower than a year ago. So 24.13 was my time, which was very shocking to me. And I ended up first in my age division, age and gender division, I should say. Yeah. Congratulations. First yeah. place finish. That's legit. I know. Last year I got second. So, oh, well, there was one other woman who was faster in my age group, but she was, I think, first or second overall. So you can't get an award overall and in an age group. So I got bumped up. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we're still counting it as, as first place. Well, yeah, I have the little plaque to, that says first place. So Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It, it, was, probably the, um, it was probably the virtual 5K that you did on the track that led to those results. I'm <laughs> totally sure. Like, uh, that <laughs> time trial was what made me think this would be the worst race ever. That's fair. Because it was three minutes slower. Oh, wow. Which is a lot yeah. of time in a 5K. That's a, that's yeah. a significant difference. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But one thing, I, I knew this. I just keep forgetting it. It, I'm not very good at running on flats. Like, I'm not a consistent pacer. And this course in Carlsbad, you go, there's like a slight incline and then you go up and overpass. Uh -huh. And then it's like kind of slight down until the turnaround. It's an out and back. So then the second half, you get to go down everything. And I'm much better with hills, like the changing of the paces. Interesting. Okay. How did, um, yeah. how, how did you feel overall, like physically? How did your body feel? going through it and afterwards, I guess now? Um, well, today I'm sore. Like today's run was the hardest of since I've been here. But I mean, 5Ks hurt. <laughs> so it hurt during. <laughs> but it I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't hurt as much as at altitude because well, I feel there's so much more oxygen going to my muscles, you know? Oh yeah, that that does make sense. Well, 
I'm yeah. also thinking about it from the standpoint of, you know, you've consistently been sharing what your recovery process has been like from mm -hmm. your main race some time ago. So that's what I was, I was kind of going yeah. more from, from that angle. Cause this is, this is like really, I mean, from my perspective, it's like the first true test test, like live conditions, mm -hmm. you know, um, that you, yeah. that you faced. So all things being considered, how are you feeling about what you were able to accomplish in your first like live event since then? Um, I'm very pleased. I was expecting, mainly because of the time. I went into it, I was like, I'm just going to try really hard. Like I told you, I was going to run it like I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> On the, the scale of one to 10. Yeah. So my main goal was just to like run really hard and like whatever time came of it is whatever happened. Um, and yeah, if you die, you die. Yeah, if I die, I die. Um, and I wanted to run it a little better than last year since I knew the course. Because last year I saw the course profile and I saw the overpass hill, but I didn't know what it was. And on an elevation chart, it looks really steep because, <laughs> like, the overpass goes up pretty quickly. Oh. So this year I knew what to expect. So I knew I could push a little more in the beginning and not, like, kill myself. Um, so I was really happy with that. And I sped up more on the downhills, it felt like. And I beat two guys in the fitness shoot, which is always fun. <laughs> woman power. I would have been happy if it was two women, too. I just like beating people at the end. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, Gosh, yes. Well aware. Yeah. That's but fair. My foot hasn't hurt at all. I've run five days in a row now, which is the most since pre-ultra, which is very exciting. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else uh, kind of happening in front of mind? Anything like that? Are you seeing, well, what else are you doing while you're out there? Any? Did you do any sightseeing, anything like that? or Not sightseeing, um, but my brother lives here. So I he actually ran the race with me, him and his girlfriend. Um, and he he's one of those people who like, he doesn't really run too much, but he's my pacer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he always beats me in this race. Uh, and he actually ran it faster than he did last year. And I was like, I'm so jealous that you can just do this oh. on like no training. But wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, I saw them. I feel like there's a small part of you that's like pissed about that. <laughs> I'm just jealous. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Because like if he actually trained, he could be so much faster, you know, versus, I mean, this year I didn't train specifically for this but like last year i trained hard for this yeah and then he was just like oh yeah i'll just show up on the day and do it <laughs> yeah it's just not fair that is yeah um, i i know people like that yeah yeah so i got to see them and then my friend jess who's also a coach she lives in san diego so i got to see her and then i had a couple athletes racing this weekend and i was able to meet up with one of them to finally meet her in person, which was really exciting being a virtual coach. So yeah, mostly seeing well, cool. people. Yeah. All in all sounds like a little, a, a fun trip. Yeah. Yeah. I love it here. Well, cool. I know. It makes me wish I could afford to live here. I feel like if my flight gets canceled, I'll stay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, yeah. What about West coast? Yeah. It's so nice. 
All right. Um, anything else you got for updates? No, I don't remember anything previous to this weekend. So even though it's been two weeks since we recorded. <laughs> right. Yeah. What about you? And I know. Um, oh, go ahead. Uh, let's see here. I know we're having we're going to have probably a little bit of a delay here. Audio slash Internet wise. However, we're going <laughs> to keep the train rolling here. So the show will go on. Um Let's see. So updates as far as my end um, from a life standpoint, uh, I've had a couple. Well, I was going to say a couple and then there's really only one thing that really (laughs) sticks out. That's like out of the ordinary. Uh, Went to a basketball game recently, so got a chance to take Mace um, to a Michigan State basketball game. For those who may not be aware, like I'm a big uh, Michigan State fan in all in all sports. I was going to say all supports, all sports. Um, and especially in basketball. So finally got a chance to catch a game. It's been, I think it's been a couple of years since we've been able to, or since I've been able to go to, um, one of the games. So they played against the university of Illinois and that, that campus is only about mm, 45, 50 minutes Mm. from us. So got a chance to go check that game out. Unfortunately, they lost the game. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, however, uh, just a, a good experience and something kind of out of my normal rhythm, which was fun to do. So got a chance to do that. Uh, As you kind of mentioned, we're, we're in the middle here in Illinois, we're in the middle of like a super, super cold snap. Um, In fact, today, the day that we're recording this, my kids don't have school today. So they canceled school just based on what some of the outdoor conditions were. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what's going on from a, a living standpoint. Uh, from a running standpoint, there's still nothing going on. So <laughs> that's a quickie. And then from a lifting standpoint, uh, I am, let me see. I'm now, I think, three weeks into uh, working with my current coach right now, Jeff. So uh, just continuing to kind of get acclimated to that. Um, so we're just really still in what I would call like the, um, the assessment phase and trying to figure out, like establish a baseline and something that's been, been pretty cool is just to get another eye on, um, on my training, which that's, you know, I've talked about it a couple of episodes. That was something specifically I was still planning to do, uh, myself and then decided wisely to go ahead and still offload that. So what's been, Pretty cool is being able to get like that second set of eyes to notice particular uh, patterns, whether they be good or bad or habits, good or bad, um, as far as movement wise and different things like that on particular exercises uh, that are that are kind of coming up on video and things like that. So that's been um, that's been cool. So we're attacking both the training and the nutrition, of course, mindset and you know lifestyle is going to be at the heart of all those things. So that's been, that's been a really cool process. Still TBD on whether, whether or not I'm going to do specifically that trail run in October Mm -hmm. or look for one different. I, I need to give myself like a, I need to give myself some sort of a deadline for making that decision. Cause at that point I'll have to start having some running updates here. I'm sure. So yeah, Mm, that's yeah that's pretty much 
in my head, I'm thinking that there's one thing that I was like, oh, let me make sure I bring this up. And now I cannot remember it at all. So I don't know. It must not have been that fascinating for me to for me to not be remembering it right now. So yeah, that's um, that's pretty much what I've got going on from a, a living, living and lifting standpoint. Fun. We don't have many updates this week. Yeah. No, we we don't. <laughs> and it's not like we've just been sitting around doing nothing. It's just, I don't know. I find that I'm um, I'm still very much in like the getting in the groove of the new year mm. mode right now. Yeah. If that makes I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah. You know, I talked about it. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself to immediately have to figure out exactly what I want to accomplish this year or anything. So right now is a lot of back to basics and um yeah, back to basics with just my day-to-day stuff, um back to basics with my clients and back to basics with just you know, just simple things, just really getting an, an understanding of kind of where is the foundation. So, you know, if you were to use the analogy of like, uh, it's like a maintenance check on the house, like this is, you know, going back through and just kind of checking, you know, checking all the locks, checking all the doors, checking the batteries and the fire extinguisher, or not fire extinguisher, smoke detectors, you know, checking the foundation, basically, mm-hmm. like all the little things here and there, instead of immediately being like, yep, it's probably time to go ahead and do a remodel. That's that's really where where I'm at mentally right now. So I think you're right. Instead of feeling like I have 20 different updates to give, it's like, nah, just just moving moving right along. And still feels productive though. So not upset about that by any means. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else before we we get into our main topic for today? Um trying to think if there's anything else i don't think so yeah i know we are just flying books are still the same oh yeah yeah when you when you travel do you bring multiple like how do you handle books do you bring multiples do you have digital and hard copy how's that go for you i don't do digital like not at not at all no oh okay (laughs) i'm well well done a physical book person. So I usually bring one. Well, I guess it depends how long the trip is. This one I brought one and it's a library book, which kind of sucks because if I finish it, I have to carry it around anyway. Um, versus like some <laughs> sometimes if it's my own book, I'll just like leave it wherever I am, you know, <laughs> like in an Airbnb, that kind of thing. But is this a extremely heavy book? It's pretty thick. Okay. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so if you're not able to get on the plane because of the weight limit, then we know no. that book is pretty much what just screwed you. Well, I don't carry just much. Saying. I don't carry much just on the saying. plane. Yeah, I. That's it's interesting though that well, I mean, I find little things interesting because when you're taking a trip, basically, you decide okay, it's this one book and that's it for the entire trip. Yeah. I, I'm very much the, I got to have a couple options. So I'll have one hard copy and then there's always going to be a digital one for sure. Mm. So I don't like to like lock. uh, Yeah. I don't like to, I don't like to not have an option. I think that's what it is. But I think it's also like the clothing, you know, those people and maybe you're one of those people. I don't know. The people that, you know, you pack way too much and all of a sudden you're going to change clothes like five times a day when really you're just going to be 
either, you know, running, working out, and then you're going to be doing what you're doing and maybe doing something at night, but you need six outfit changes for every day, like your Beyonce on tour or something. So that's how I am with sometimes with books and stuff like that. Oh, no. I'll only bring bring multiples if I'm close to the end of a book and I know I'll finish it. And then you would leave the book. Did you say you would leave the book there? If it's a book I own and I'm in an Airbnb, yeah. Oh, I I did not know this was a thing. So you just leave it. You leave it behind. Do you have a particular expectation of what's going to happen with it, or do you do anything like leave a note or anything? <laughs> no. Well, a lot of Airbnbs have, well, at least ones I've been in, they'll have like books on a shelf that you can read while you're there. So I just add to it. Oh, okay. Have you ever had an Airbnb owner reach out to you to thinking that maybe you forgot the book? No. If you put it on the shelf, they don't usually know. Oh. Yeah. Th- okay. This is weird to me. Because <laughs> I would, because I, I would be concerned. I mean, just as the Airbnb owner, my, I would be concerned that the person forgot the book. I guess to your point, though, if I don't pay attention yeah. to what books are actually there, that could be really problematic, though. Potentially. Because what if you get, yeah, what if you get some creepo who, you know, he's got some book that's like some like BDSM thing and he like leaves it on the, on the shelf. Yeah. And then there's, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. It's a good point. I'm just, just saying like, it's just very, yeah, it's very problematic. And then as the owner, all of a sudden you get a bad review because you got sketchy stuff on the thing. Well, now any listeners we have that are in the BDSM just logged off. So <laughs> sorry guys. Anyways. I was just thinking random scenarios. All right. We should probably get to the main topic now because I'm about to like make this way weirder than it needs to be. So Yeah, kick it off. Wanna move on to the to the main topic? All right, we'll do. <laughs> Note to self on Airbnbs. Double check the bookshelf before the kids show up. All right. Okay, so main topic for today that we are going to to discuss is thinking about the question, am I training too much? So I floated this one to Kelly and we agreed this would be a good one to, to chat about because we can attack it from a couple of different angles. Um, you know, here we talk about both lifting and running. So let's call that the, the training piece. And then we talk about living this lifestyle in general, whether that has to do with training or not, or, you know, leaving random books on the bookshelf at Airbnbs. You know, we talk about that stuff. So where this came to mind for me is as I look across the fitness landscape, that what I notice is from from my perspective, I see more of an uptick in focusing on uh, like stress management, um, sleep supplements, uh, things like strategies to... Um, strategies really that are all geared towards more like recovery, even, you know, you think about, um, like massage tools or, um, why can't I think of the name? Like hype, like Theravolt, Theravolt, <laughs> Theragun, Hypervolt, different things like that. So recovery products, you know, recovery boots, like just all of these different things, CBD, calming things. We all were thinking about the importance of sleep. So I see more of an uptick in those particular things and less of a focus on um, like a stronger pre-workout, 
more getting you like more jacked up and more excited and adding more things than I have in the past. So along the lines with that, um, you know, I was sharing with Kelly that a good portion of the population that I work with as far as my one-on-one clients, many times uh, my wheelhouse, like the folk that the folks that are coming to me are people that don't necessarily need to do more from a training standpoint. They perhaps in many cases could either do less or just need to keep the same volume that they're at, just do it better. So better execution, um, whether it be the exercise itself or just laying things out a little bit more uh, better that that could align with their life, different things like that. So um, it's in my world, it's super easy to say like, yeah, you're, you're definitely training too much. And then to me, that begs the question. So how, how do you know when you're training too much? How do you know when you're doing too much stuff basically? So that's today's topic is, am I training too much? You feel like that's a fair set, fair summary of what we said we'd talk about? Yes. (laughs) All right. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, my thought here was for this conversation, we can separate it. Um, although we know there is going to be some carryover that'll be on both of these lists, just thinking about things in the column of signs that you're training too much, uh, signs that you're doing too much and how that shows up physically or in your training and then signs that you're doing too much and how that would show up in your lifestyle. So what that would mean. So, um, I've got, a handful of things that I jotted down, which I totally could have shared with you and didn't. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off and let's just riff on, on a handful of these. Does that work for you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So um, one that I've gotten down is um, soreness. So from the training aspect, we'll go through like the training ones. So from a training aspect, one sign that you are doing too much um, is muscle soreness. And I would actually say like consistent or, um, Jeff Nippert actually has a really good resource on this, uh, where he refers to it as persistent muscle soreness. Mm -hmm. So more often than you have in the past, you are really feeling like certain aches and different things like that are just not, not getting any better. Um, cause certainly muscle soreness or DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness can certainly be a thing, especially at the beginning of a training cycle when you're introducing new, newer movements, um, or you're perhaps maybe going from more of, let's say more of like a strength focus over to a hypertrophy focus or vice versa. So you're basically doing like a different modality, um, or have a different focus. So loading could be different, hitting different body parts. So Um, I would just say that just because you are experiencing muscle soreness doesn't mean you're overtraining. It also doesn't mean it's the sign of an effective workout. However, I would say that if you are finding that you've just got persistent muscle soreness that is not going away, that could be a sign that you're doing too much. What sort of thoughts do you have on that one and or how it uh, shows up if running is your primary form of exercise yeah i feel like with running i mean it could be soreness especially depending on what you're doing um from like speed work hills 
long runs, those kind of things. I feel like more than soreness, it's usually things just feel harder. Like we don't focus too much on like pace or heart rate or anything. But if you notice consistently, like on your easy runs, it's harder to keep a similar pace to what you used to and nothing else really has changed. That could be a sign of you're doing too much because you're not recovering from your other efforts. Um, And similarly, or maybe more so with like speed workouts, because those you're usually more so targeting a pace, especially if you're a road runner. And if you find it harder to hit those paces, that could be a sign. Um, But yeah, I feel like just like a mismatch in the hard data and how you're feeling on the run is a good indication. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I also have jotted down HRV. Mm. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on on that um, with for those that aren't familiar, HRV stands for heart rate variability, which at its most basic basic level is let's call it like the time between heartbeats. Yeah, like it's most basic. So um, actually, I'll I'll throw it over to you if you want to maybe kick off that particular one or or ch- what are your thoughts on utilizing HRV? as an indicator of if you're doing too much and what signs there there would be, whether you do or don't use it. I don't know for sure. So I personally don't use it, but that's also because I don't wear my watch at night or anything. And that usually oh, comes from right. the sleep data. So <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a good point. Yeah. Along with HRV, I think resting heart rate is a really good indicator. Um, and we talked about this, I think, on the podcast before, but like one time when I was wearing Whoop and I was sick, both my HRV, my HRV was depressed and my resting heart rate was very elevated. And that was like right yeah. before I got sick. So those are obviously sickness is different than doing too much in your training, but can go together. But yeah, I notice fluctuations in my resting heart rate when training is getting a little higher. It's like it tends to elevate above my baseline. But with either of those, I think it's important to track it long enough so you know what is normal for you. Or I think if you are using like a whoop, they do a good job of getting your baseline. I don't, you would know more about this because you use it with Garmin, but does Garmin alert Mm -hmm. you if it's high, low, low for HRV, I guess? Um, I don't know if it's, so I don't know if it's alert driven i do know that you know each day there'll be a readiness score similar to whoop like there'll be a readiness score you'll get a summary of what your overnight hrv um, was and also uh a seven day average i'm going to put in the disclaimer here that i'm not sure like all the things that i'm speaking of are from how i have my settings set up so somebody mm-hmm. may be aware of, yeah, you can actually get an alert that tells you that your HRV is dangerously low versus, you know, you're looking at the layout in the, um, in the app and you find it from there. So that certainly could be possible. However, um, what I do and my coach actually has me input this particular information is just in the morning, I take a look and see, you know, what the HRV is showing and then just input that. And you actually brought up, um, I can't remember exactly uh, what you said. However, I think you brought up something that was an important point 
that perhaps would be helpful clarification for this particular episode is we're we're really focused mostly on signs that you're doing too much um, during a during like a block or a phase or a, a lengthened period of time versus did I do too much yesterday, for example. Because mm-hmm. when you were talking about like the um, like sickness or um, anything along those lines, I'll actually have a quick story too with that with like whoop, uh, then you would expect that they're from sickness or other um, other factors that could that could tank your ARV your ARV. I'm just gonna make up stuff now. Um, that could tank your HRV or significantly elevate your resting heart rate for that day. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean that okay now that means I did too much or you know whatever it might be. It certainly could be an indicator. Like if you if you look at that in conjunction with other things too and all signs seem to point towards like man this this score matches also how i'm feeling and different things like that then yeah that certainly could be an indicator but you also are going to have like one offs so i know for example mm-hmm. with like with um whoop and i've noticed this with garmin too how close i will have uh like processed sugary carbohydrates to the time that I go to bed does change for me. It'll for sure change my, um, my HRV score for sure. Or my ready. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed it in my HRV and in my, my resting heart rate. And I'm talking, I'm being like super specific around like, for example, if I, you know, smash like a bunch of Oreos or something, and it's like 20 minutes before I'm going to bed and also put that in conjunction with a shorter sleep window, then I have, I definitely see where that affects the score. I've had clients in the past and then other coaches that I partner with who have, who definitely see that same thing when it comes to alcohol intake. Like if you drink alcohol, like a glass of wine or something like that before you go to bed, even though you feel like pretty good and you're like, yeah, it just helps me sleep or whatever you are telling yourself, uh, that will show up in your HRV and your resting. I know resting heart rate for sure, but whoop like totally smacks you unless something's changed. Whoop will like definitely smack you and then hit you with the backhand. If you drink (laughs) alcohol before bed, like you can expect that your score is going to tank. So just going to throw that out there. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, okay. So back to uh, so with that HRV number, uh, I think the the thing that potentially can be helpful with coming out of that particular piece of it is you do, as Kelly said, want to take some time first to establish what your baseline is. So I would recommend at minimum tracking tracking that stuff for a week, at minimum, um, and then you've established your baseline and then you start to look for trends. So if we're talking about signs that you may be training too much and you're utilizing things like HRV um, and RHR, then it would be, again, not about one particular day. It would be about, okay, it's elevated from where my normal baseline is and it's stayed elevated for a, a certain period of time. Like it's stayed elevated for a few days now. Um, then that's, you know, from a, a resistance training standpoint, that potentially is a good time for 
um, a deload or a reset and bringing things down a bit for sure. Um, so that's what that's what I would say on that particular one. Um, you have anything else to add on that? I've got a couple of more on the training side of things. I don't think so. Um, I think no. in terms of like determining your baseline, I think Whoop does two or three weeks before it will tell you anything. So yeah, if you can do it for longer, it's better. I think it's, uh, I was almost going to say 30 something, but I could, I might be misremembering that. It could be. That is something that I really liked about uh, how Whoop was set up from a logistics standpoint is that you don't get any sort of feedback until you've logged X amount of recoveries. Like I thought that was, I, yeah. I like, I like that that thought process of, you know, we're not just going to start spitting data out at you right from day one and give you a score right from day one. Like, let's actually take some time to figure out, you know, what information we can gain to establish your baseline. I think about, um, it reminds me of like my son when there, he talks to me about when there's a new unit that's about to start for math, for example, they always do a pretest and, you know, he's, mm. He's um, he's really good at focusing on his academics as much as he focuses on Fortnite. So that's that's helpful. Um, so, you know, he'll be like, yeah, dad, I got a tough test coming up today. And I'll say, oh, man, uh, well, how do you how do you feel going into it? Um, how, how have you been doing as far as studying for it? And he's like, well, then he gets like the attitude. He's like, well, dad, you can't study for it. It's a pretest. I'm like. In my head, I'm like, then why are you stressing? But okay. I'm like, oh, all right. Appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for letting me know. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're not supposed to know anything. <laughs> you know? Like, you're not supposed to know what you're doing. Yeah. Give it time for, like, give it time to establish. So, uh, and then, of course, you know, some months later or weeks later when they're done with the unit, then they take their final test. And that's kind of cool because they compare it to their pretest. So, I think that's a good lesson um, in how to approach your um, different stats that you're tracking as far as your recovery and things like that is first establish your baseline and then take some time later on to go back and look at, okay, what do my averages look like now? For sure. I think that's kind of a, just a random thing I thought of. Um, second to last one that I've got, which is pretty much related to, to the ones that we've talked about is just overall, um, like energy level and fatigue. So um, yeah. when it comes to, you know, you notice during your training, you just feel really lethargic. Uh, you feel like you just it, like every training set or you are putting together a string of training sessions that just really feel like a slugfest. Um, that for sure is a sign uh, that you want to strongly consider that you may be doing too much for sure. Uh, any thoughts on that from you on that one? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, same for running and I don't know if this is your last bullet point, but kind of going along with that is like your motivation to train. If you like feel resistant to training for an extended period of time, that could mean you're doing too much. Yeah, that is a good one. Which goes along with energy. Yeah. And and I think that one is for sure a carryover from inside the gym and or inside the gym on the road on the track 
whatever, however you train, whatever your modality is. And also if you're noticing like that lack of energy outside of training too, I think that could be a thing also. Um, so that carries over in both. Yeah. The last one that I had, which again, you could look at it as energy. I actually put down unable to make progress. Mm. And specifically, I'm specifically talking about it, it pr- make progress in your training. Yeah. So not specifically like, you know, for a good portion of the crowd that I work with, like body composition wise, if somebody's like, well, I'm not losing weight or I'm not, that that can certainly be a thing. I'm talking specifically like in your training. So for example, if you're following a, uh, resistance-based training program that has progressions that are built in. And uh, for example, if we use like RPE, rate of perceived exertion, or RIR, um, reps in reserve, where you essentially are getting, you know, over a 12-week period, you would expect that uh, you are going to get closer and closer to failure. Like you're not trying to fail every session, but you're getting closer and closer. So in theory, as long as you're well-fed, you should be able to lift a heavier weight and or lift for more reps as you go. And if you are finding that for a prolonged period of time, like it's been a couple of weeks, three weeks, let's say, I'd say is, is probably a fair assessment because um, hopefully people can take some of this stuff and, and find it to be actionable and helpful and useful. If you are going through a period where it's, let's say, two to three weeks, and you are just finding it a complete struggle to make progress from a weight and or reps perspective, depending on how your weight training program is designed in just about all of your movements. And also you are um, properly um, properly fed for that, then that could definitely be a, a, a sign that you're, you're training too much, like you're doing too much if you are unable to progress a movement at all. Um, I think it's a lot easier to expose in the strength world Mm -hmm. where you might be looking at like percentage-based lifting and different things like that. Um, that can, that can be exposed pretty much, you know, right off the bat when it's like, you're, you're not able to hit like the percentage of your maxes that you have prescribed. Um, I, I feel like this is something that would also expose itself in the running world. Would you agree, disagree somewhere in the middle? Um, somewhere in the middle, because I feel like it would take longer to see a lack of progression, especially because Mm. usually in strength, you know, you're doing similar workouts week after week for a certain period of time versus like even in speed workouts, you're probably focused. Well, I guess it depends on your coach, but you might be focusing on like VO2 max for a block. So like all of the speed workouts are working on aerobic capacity but it's not like your speed workout will be the same every week and then within that like thinking about vo2 max specifically workouts i'll give rep ranges from anywhere from like 30 seconds to three minutes so like they're not as comparable in order to see a lack of progression because you know a one minute interval is very different than three minutes especially with the terrain if you run on a different course, if you run on a hill versus flat. Mm. So, and then like, I don't want anyone to compare their easy runs and be like, oh, my easy run is not getting faster because that's not really what we're going for. 
Uh, that might be a product yeah. of what happens in training, but for a lot of us, once we're, especially if you're doing hard speed workouts and hard long runs, your easy runs might get slower just because you're working hard on the hard days, so the easy days get easier. But yeah, if you notice over like an entire training block that you haven't made progress, but that at that point, I feel like it might be a little too late to realize you're doing too much because I'd be like... <laughs> months you know (laughs) yeah yeah that's a that's a I'm glad you brought that particular perspective up that it may take longer Mm -hmm. uh, because there's not as much of like the same thing each time like that's that's a good point it's a very good point which perspective I would not have not programming to get people to halves and ultras and marathons so wonderful um Okay, well, outside, so outside of the gym, let's say, so sign that you're training too much. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty much for me, it goes to energy. So your yeah. energy and your mood, like those are the two things um, to me. So starting with energy outside of the gym, um, common scenario that I will see or a pattern that I will start to see with folks where we've either got it's it's usually volume like they're just doing a buttload of volume um and then it's coming back to bite them where we will usually see that is uh they will hit if they train in the morning they'll hit like this midday just slump Mm -hmm. where the energy levels just feel like tanked um and all that stuff and then um, that then leads to, uh, you know, like mood. So that then leads to them feeling really irritable. And, um, so they're either not wanting to do certain things outside of the gym. Uh, I mean, it's stuff that people may not necessarily talk about openly, but you know, if you're starting to notice like a decline in libido, um, a decline in wanting to really like connect with people who actually matter to you, different things like that. Those are things that that could be related to how your training is designed. Um, I mean, that's that's a major a major factor there. So, I just not too long ago was having a discussion with someone who's made fantastic progress. We've been working together for eleven. Yeah, February will be a year, so about eleven months now. And one of the things that um, they had shared was previously they they didn't they noticed now but didn't know it back then um they were like previously they would get their training done consistently so they trained i think five or six i think it was actually six days a week they would weight train then they also did like three to four days or maybe even up to five days a week they would also do an hour of cardio after their training or in a separate session and they noticed that they when their kids wanted to do stuff, you know, later in the evening and things like that, they just didn't have the energy. Uh, they felt like they were just completely tanked and they had just noticed that since we've made some pretty significant tweaks in the amount of volume that they were doing focused on like be intense when you need to be intense. And then the other day, other times where we need to take it easy, take it easy, just really noticing not, not anywhere near like that level of fatigue and, um, just, not feeling like they had the energy to pour into the people that were really important to them. So I, you know, I just spent a 
bit more time on that one. I, I just can't stress that one enough because um, for the population that I'm usually working with, that is like one of the main things is it's not about like some, you know, it's this exercise is the magic exercise. It's what's the right dose for you so that you can actually show up as a human. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one for sure is the energy outside of um, the gym. Do you tend to see some of that, that same stuff uh, in your world also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of my runners do run in the morning and mm-hmm. like just in general with runners. And I feel like when you are doing too much, just like you're saying, and you're doing it in the morning, it's really common to like drag on for the rest of the day versus be energized for the rest of the day and adding on to that something I have felt before and seen is like a general brain fog so like especially in my morning games when I'm doing the crossword and I feel like I can't think I'm just like something is (laughs) (laughs) it's not usually my training it's usually like I didn't sleep well but I'm like Okay, Ah. something's off, but that can happen with doing too much training if like your sleep and nutrition is good. So like, especially if you're in a job where you're sitting at your desk and you're kind of thinking hard all day, if you notice that it's a little harder to do your work, that can be a a good sign that you might need to dial back. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, too, that you brought up about like sleep and and different things like that. Mm -hmm. I think what can make it tough to, for lack of a better way to put it, to admit that your training could be a big contributor to the problem is that your training could go really, really well. So you could hit all of the lifts that you're supposed to, you can um, run, you know, the paces that you're supposed to and all that stuff. And it's easy to think like, okay, well, I'm hitting all that stuff. So the training must not be the issue because I'm executing the training as designed. However, if your training is not set up so that you can then function outside of that training space, then your training is either you got to change the training or you've got to change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we've talked about um, in the past with the difference between Uh, Like in my world, it's like the difference between competitors. So people who are uh, actually competing in like physique sports, for example. Uh, So bikini, bodybuilding, different things like that. They will design their life around their training. Like that's whatever their whatever their protocol is from a nutrition and a uh, lifting standpoint that is there and then they figure out what what they're going to do around that versus first for you know the folks that we work with it's well I'll speak for myself the folks that I work with it is okay talk to me a bit about like what an average week looks like for you not even day cuz most of them don't have the same like thing every single day it's like what's an average week look like what's important to you different things like that okay then the time that you do have to train Let's figure out what we can do to maximize that particular time so that you can still live the way that you want to live. And I think that when you're in a situation where you may potentially be doing too much inside of the gym, 
it can be masked because you're like, well, I'm executing things the way that they're designed. It could be bad design. Mm-hmm. I mean that that happens. I see it. I see it all the t- all the time when people will try and grab like some program, like or, or grab a workout. It's more like workouts. They'll grab like off of Pinterest or YouTube or something like that, and it's like twelve different movements, and it's five sets of twenty to thirty for every movement, or se- five sets of whatever for like a to- a bunch of movements. And they're like, "Well, I execute the training exactly the way the training is designed, so that can't be the problem." Just because you do something the way that it's designed doesn't mean that it's actually designed to actually work for you. That's the steps off soapbox. Yeah. And something that I see a lot with runners is the desire to do more running and more training, even if it doesn't go along with your life. Like I see this mostly when people are in like busy or stressful times at work and they're like, but I want to increase volume. I'm like, you, there's no space for the extra stress because you're like, either working a lot or like the project's really stressful, you're presenting, it's not compatible. Like you can want to do more, but it's not, you're not helping yourself. That's a, that's a tough conversation to have. Yeah. It's a really tough conversation to have, which is really the whole topic that we've been <laughs> discussing is having that conversation with yourself or with your coach. Yeah. To really get an understanding of, okay, like all of these different things that are happening and yet we're still like, yeah, but I can make it work. I can figure it out. So when you're finding these particular things, um, especially when they're persistent and it's not, it's not like a one-off because with everything that's on this particular list, all of these things I, I mean, I can definitely say that I have experienced all of these things at some particular point or some particular junction or on a particular day or maybe even for a couple of days. Yeah. The challenge, so it's not that, um, from my point of view, it's not that you will never have a day that, for example, you're not sore. You'll never have a day where you feel like, okay, it's time to go to bed and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not saying that you'll never have these things happen. It's more a matter of, if you're seeing a pattern uh, where these things are happening pretty consistently, then that's where something obviously needs to change. And then we're specifically talking about, you know, since training is like what we do and it's our wheelhouse, we're specifically talking about like, okay, from a training standpoint, what, what can you change in order to, to really kind of shift the trajectory on where things are going? Cause I, unfortunately, um, I've seen scenarios where like all of these signs are there for someone and they continue to turn a blind eye to them um, and decide to keep pushing through for whatever reason. And then they hit a point where their body is just like, all right, like I tried to tell you Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't listen. So now I'm going to sideline you. Yep. Now, like now you got to, now you got to figure out what you're going to do. So just... Don't be that person at all because it's not uh, it's not fun for <laughs> either you or your coach if you have one. It is it is not fun <laughs> at all, and that's also like what we signed up for. We're here, but uh, a good coach will notice particular patterns starting to form, ask particular questions um, about things. So 
Yeah. That's what I would say. So really, uh, yeah, outside of the gym, it's energy, mood, like all of those different things, uh, I would, I would say come into play. Um, yeah. What else? You got anything else on the, on this particular one? Yeah. Um, we didn't really go into mood, but I think that's a really important one because it's like oh. noticing if you feel more irritable <laughs> with minor mm-hmm. things. Um, <laughs> I've definitely had this issue like more than ty- you. More than usual. Yeah. I usually see it as like... <laughs> Wait. Is, what? Is Ty about to get catch a stray? No, it's... I... Okay. Let me just tell the story. <laughs> it's usually when like Ty will ask me a question and it's like not an annoying question or anything, but when I'm overtraining, under-recovering, he'll be like, oh, what'd you do today? I'm just like, oh, why are you asking me this? <laughs> It's like a stupid question that is a normal thing to ask your partner, but things like that where you're, if you find you're like getting really annoyed for no reason, um, or uh-huh. like mood swings, yep. stuff like that, if they're not normal for you, those are really big signs that I think especially as women can be hard because then it's like, is my period coming or am I overtraining? So there's a, some... Yeah. more to take into account, but that's a, if you notice the trend and then your period does not come, you might be doing too much. <laughs> and I think that you, one of the things that you just mentioned with like overtraining or under recovering, um, those two work hand in hand for sure. Um, cause there's, there's definitely, uh, been quite a bit of conversation that like the, overtraining thing is a myth and it's not overtraining. It's really under recovering. And you could certainly take all of these different things that we have talked about and attribute it to, well, the person is not recovering enough. So for example, if they're experiencing like a more elevated than usual HRV for a particular period of time, if they're noticing that their resting heart rate isn't where it needs to be, then they need to spend more time recovering. And I'm not going to say that, that the person is wrong in thinking that. Like, I actually would agree that, yeah, they, they need to do a better job of recovery. It's just also understanding the population that you work with. So if you are working with someone who I feel like a, like a deja vu moment, because I feel like I've talked about this same exact thing like multiple times on this podcast especially however this is a very regular conversation um, that I'm involved in is if you're working with somebody and we talk about something like hey you really need to recover more so I need you to get more sleep and then you just leave it at that well if you're talking to somebody who has a sleep window that is eight hours and you're telling them that they need to get more sleep and they're currently sleeping seven hours. Is that really the, the most effective lever to pull on for that particular individual? So if I'm looking at that, if they're getting seven, seven hours of sleep when they have an eight hour window between when they walk in the door from whatever their responsibilities were and when they have to walk out the door to go to do whatever they need to do in the morning, am I really being effective? by harping on you need to sleep more or would it make more sense for me to focus on designing a particular program that has the right amount of harmony with the intensity 
so that perhaps I can help with making their sleep maybe a bit more effective by properly designing their training. And then of course, nutrition is the thing that will help bring, bring both of those pieces together. But that's, um, that's, I think definitely an important point here too. Cause when you bring up like the under recovering piece, I don't want somebody to get like lost in the sauce of like, well, are you, are you talking about this or talking about that? We're talking about both really. It's just a matter of, you know, we, we've decided to really kind of go more down the training aspect of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And anything else you would add too? Um, I think just adding on to that a little bit, when you're thinking about, is it that I'm doing too much or I'm not recovering well enough? You have to like, it's the same with the training. You have to be realistic with yourself because it could be, yeah, you could sleep more, you could eat more. But if you're not going to do it, then you need to lower your training, you know? Mm. Like if you're not going to pull the other levers or you aren't able to pull the other levers, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you have to adjust the training, which I feel like is something I see a lot because nutrition is usually the big one working with women because a lot of women under eat in general and then athletic women under eat more so because we're just not socially <laughs> – train to eat more um <laughs> yeah. yeah but you're right you're yeah. right but then also like just being a running coach it's not in my scope to help people eat more outside of being like try to eat more snacks or try to hit a higher protein based on your body weight general recommendations like that so there's only so much i can do so if they don't start eating more then i have to adjust their training because that's the lever i can pull well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very well said. Yeah. Preach. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else on this one. No. I think Did you have any any other things that? Yeah. That, that was that was really well said. I like that. Might clip that for myself. <laughs> um, okay. So hopefully, you all found um, some nuggets within that particular conversation that hopefully are, are helpful. For, helpful to you or for you. If you do have um, questions about anything that we just talked about, make sure to hit us up. Um, and we will, within our scope, try to see if we can either answer that for you and or point you towards maybe resources um, that can help you kind of work your way through that that thing. So yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. So we're going to transition here to start wrapping things up. Um, what do you have coming up on MFA or anything else you want to share with us? Um, so as of when listeners listened to this two days ago, I did a more in-depth race recap slash trip recap of San Diego. Um, and then next week will be episode 100. Right now, it's supposed to be a guest episode. Hey. Yeah. Hitting 100. I'm supposed to record it tomorrow on Wednesday, but we scheduled it a while back. So that's why like it should be a okay. guest episode, but you know, you never know. Um. Nope, you never do. <laughs> <laughs> can, can co-sign that. Yep. Yeah. So but very exciting to hit 100, but that's really all that's going on. Well, early congrats. That's a, <laughs> that's a big milestone. I big know. milestone. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, you want to know what's coming up on Help Me Understand? Sure, yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> as a, well, uh, so for the for the podcast, actually, in just a couple of hours here, so we're recording on Tuesday, in just a couple of hours here, I do have a guest episode coming up. Uh, TBD on whether that one will be a perspective shift episode or perhaps like a conversation episode. I've started basically putting like a, this is a solo, this is conversation, this is perspective shift kind of header on the episodes. Um, We intend for it to be a perspective shift. However, uh, the guest and I are friends and there's a chance it may end up turning into a whole conversation. So I don't know. And she's uh, very powerful, powerful point of view and powerful speaker. So who knows where that one will go. Um, so that's, that's like the one thing that I've for sure got coming up. And then, um, as per the usual, when there's something that comes to mind, I will hit record and throw that out there. So, um, yeah, that's, what's coming up there. And then by the time that this comes out, I should have posted about this on my Instagram stories, my biweekly email is going to be starting finally yeah this has been a a labor of love for it's been like two years now it's been a long time dang so uh yeah i know yeah well welcome to the year of no more unfinished business for me so uh yeah so by the time that this comes out then i should have already uh posted the link for people to subscribe and yeah, so subscriptions will start launching this week and then first email coming out next week. Yeah. Exciting. I keep forgetting like when we record, when stuff comes out, this will come out on Friday. So yeah, it'd be yeah. next week. So anyways, um, if you don't follow me, then at least pop into my stories or whatnot, or I'll probably put the link in the bio or something, something cool like that. So yeah, yeah. that's, um, that's the haps. That's what I've got going on. And going to try and not freeze to death here. So it's wild. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, stay warm. It is wild. And I'm used to cold. Like I've lived in upstate New York, Michigan, Missouri. Mm. It's still not not something I love, but it is what it is. My, my parents mm-hmm. uh, who live in Alabama gave me the heads up. Now, for context here, we... We lived in Rochester, New York, so we are used to like cold and snow and ice and all that stuff. So they found it amusing and still they were like part of the crowd. They found it amusing that like all the schools shut down in their city Mm -hmm. because there were going to be possibly two inches of snow. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Two inches of snow. And I think it, in all fairness, I think it was supposed to get down. The low is supposed to be 18 degrees or something like that. That's cold down there. I was, yeah, I was talking to my dad. What's that? It's cold down there. Yeah, I know. It just, I don't know. It, I get it. And also, I'm still kind of like, it's 18 degrees. All right. All right, then. <laughs> you know, but in all fairness, uh, if I remember correctly, like some, I can't remember when it was. I think it was like maybe four years ago or so where basically i know for birmingham like the whole city basically came to a halt and they had like kids stranded at school in the whole nine because buses were like sliding on the highway and yeah all sorts of stuff because they didn't have i think this was a good portion of the south now that i think about it because they don't didn't have the resources to handle ice 
So they were trying to spread like sand because they didn't have rock salt. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. And also, yeah. Okay, then. So anyways. All right. Uh, all right. That should <laughs> that should wrap up. <laughs> wrap up today's episode. So now that we have lost anybody who likes to leave sketchy books on bookshelves and also yep. anybody from the South who's upset that I don't that I think you should have rock salt by now. Um, if anybody else has still continued to listen, we do appreciate it. And uh, Kelly, you want to let the uh, the good people know where they can find us, reach out, and all that good stuff? Yep. You can find us on Instagram at Lifting Running Living Pod, and you can contact us at Lifting Running Living Pod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. And you can rate and subscribe, right. review if you're on Apple. Word. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for tuning in to another episode. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Peace out. Okay, bye.